don't look at AI as an enemy. Look at it as your friend who's going to allow you to say, okay, that part of the business runs on AI. This part of the business runs on relationship. And I get to choose which one I want to do that with. So it means you can take anybody that comes to the door if you want, but the level of service you're going to provide is going to be based on who you want to deal with. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Strategy in the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Greathead. My co-host is Penny Breslin. She's sitting in San Diego. I'm sitting in Sydney. It's a sunny but cold day here. Penny, how's things in San Diego? Sunny and nice. It was so nice to get back here after uh, hot, muggy St. Louis. (laughs) And Penny's been in St. Louis for Scaling New Heights, which we'll touch on today. But before we do that, just to remind everyone... Strategy in the Virtual Controller, we're all about helping accountants and bookkeepers build more intentional businesses. And however, we leverage technology to enable that, the types of services that we provide to our clients and the types of business that we're trying to build, team members that we're trying to attract. If you do enjoy today's episode, please go back and have a listen to some of the other episodes. Also, please leave a review. Please share and like so that we can get the good word of strategy in the virtual controller out. So that's enough of the promo. Let's dig into today's episode, Penny, and Scaling New Heights was in St. Louis. How'd it go? Yeah, it was a good show. Good show. Um, Really good show. Great presenters. I didn't go to every single one, obviously. It couldn't, but my, uh, I had some of my employees from the United States with me and Across the board, everybody walked away with something, which is what you want. Really good energy, very good energy. Just a lot of young minds. And by that, I mean just really flexible, open-minded people, which is always good to have. And probably, without a doubt, the new statement for how you do a keynote between Scott coming out and Scott Scarano coming out and doing a rap that you could tell he had probably pulled some of it out of his butt just then because of the terminology he used. It was commenting on things that had just been said prior. So it's amazing how fast his mind can work on that. And he was brilliant at it. And then out comes Don Brolin, who continued to bring the house down. Let's put it that way. Scott started bringing it down and she continued with it. I would say that the three things I would have to say about both of those, and they should be in every single accounting show keynote from now on, is informational, actionable, and all done with fun. And yeah, I was blown away. (laughs) It was really good. It was good. So that was the keynotes. And what about, because Scaling New Heights has always been a uh, a training heavy, breakout session heavy yeah, they type had of program. How was the rest of the program? They had some of that, but not as heavy as it has been in the past, which, you know, when you think about it, a lot of the stuff that they were going to teach probably and surely did get superseded by what happened in November with ChatGPT. Bard and Bing, right? And that was certainly mentioned that, you know, they had to, you know, rethink some things. So, and then also, I mean, basically what you were getting was any kind of new and updated knowledge on apps, 
because you can get training on most of these apps. All the good GLs and all the good app developers all have really good online certifications and trainings. So, but there was a lot of tips and tricks, which were excellent. And because everybody kind of uses different aspects of these based on what they might run into in with their maybe niche that it's imperative for them to use daily, but somebody else in another niche might not know about it and have to use that little trick occasionally. And the tips and tricks that they come up with were all new and relevant. Yeah, so, but a lot of it was reiterating and trying to define something that we've all been trying to define, what's CAS. And, you know, I've just come to the conclusion that word needs to go away, that acronym needs to go away. Because it gets confused with old school CAS. And old school CAS is, I'm your tax accountant, and I meet with you once or twice a year, and I advise you on the future of your tax. And what Ooh, you're selling sure here, though, what you're selling here in Cloud Accounting, the but promise why? of it is that you are going to have actionable information at your fingertips because this application, in combination with all the other apps that feed into it, will give you information that you can do about your business, not just your tax return. You can make decisions about the future of how you move your, in your business, the future of your life, the future of your finances overall. That but how is, how is old school connect- tax services getting into that? That's what I don't understand. I don't think they You're can saying- unless they get that flipping mindset out of their way. So Penny, but didn't you just say that they're getting confused with the old school CAS? Old school yeah. CAS is tax. It's what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know CAS? because because you go on their websites and they say they do client advisory services, but all they're really doing is, oh, is tax. Is tax. So I think it behooves those who want to differentiate themselves from that to change that terminology from CAS. And even the one that you've come up with, which I heard somebody do a presentation on CAAS, Client Accounting Advisory Services, we need to call something else. But but I think that's the whole thing that we've been talking, well, certainly I think you and I have been talking about is is you have to define what it is because Mm -hmm. just like consulting, just like whatever, it's such such a broad umbrella of services that you can provide. And it's just this uh, quite broad, bland, blanket statement. Whereas actually, if you're talking about business coaching, if you're talking about controllership services, if you're talking about internal controls and yeah, and partial CFO, and and even what does that mean? It's cash flow planning, it's forecasting and budgeting, actually explaining to clients what it is that you do, what you just said in terms of helping them make better decisions, they're all outcomes. And that's what you have to be talking about on your website. That's what you have to be talking about when you're sitting opposite clients. Accountant rather than a historical account. Outcome driven. Well, yeah. So what are the outputs? What are the outcomes? And yeah, I think if accountants are thinking about ways in which they can differentiate themselves from a marketing perspective and a positioning perspective, yeah, talk about the outcomes that your CAS services will deliver. Yeah, the not, CAS not branding the isn't going to cut it. Just no, not no. Cut it. One, but it's your a, average it's business a, owner doesn't know what CAS means when you put no. it on your website. But just so funny that the AICPA engage conference, and I didn't see the full agenda from Scaling New Heights, but every 90% of the non sort of technical tax and all that type of stuff is CAS, Mm -hmm. but nobody actually sort of helps people explain it for their clients. Well, I think there was actually, there was a quote from David Bergstein. I'll pull it up. 
which was actually yeah, really good. While, while you're really good quotes. <laughs> while I sort of I interrupted a comment that you were making. So let well, me try just, and find I, that. I think that there was a, a good effort to try to do that. And I think that the advent of AI, not ChatGPT, not just ChatGPT or Barta Bing, but the actual application of artificial intelligence along with robotic processes, RPA, that being shown and integrated in a much cleaner and better way because of something like chat into the apps allows you to personalize your relationship with the client a little bit better so that you can actually have that conversation that's not necessarily a cast conversation, but a new and different and meaningful relationship that's beyond a tax return. Well, I think the whole thing about AI as well, and I was curious as to to see the role that AI played at, say, Scaling New Heights or, or how big it was. I think to your point, as soon as someone says AI, they immediately go to ChatGPT and, yeah. and that's the only application of it. And so I think, again, you've sort of got to uncouple ChatGPT from AI. And I think ultimately ChatGPT is one product that has evolved out of the evolution of AI. And its ability to bring, okay, so we've had it for quite a while. Since you had your first bank feed and into it started defaulting and Zero also does this and, and all the other feeds do where they default where they make an assumption and deduct it from prior transactions. They deduct that this is the answer to what was that money spent on. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been deductive. And a deductive is something that can be automated. The next thing is it's got to predict. So now it's predictive, right? So we went from deductive to predictive. And I and because of what I can deduce from prior history, I can predict with a certain percentage of comfortability that that's what this transaction's about. The generative now becomes when I take that information out of the system that the AI presented to me with and use a robotic process to say, go ahead at this percentage of acceptability, go ahead and pre-allocate that for me. And I trust the system to do that. And now I've gone from deductive to predictive to generative. And now because I've got all of that personalization in there and I've got all of that information flowing and the bots are doing most of the work, I still have to have somebody review it who understands contextually about the client and how they spend their money. Now I can have that conversation that may be uniquely different than that twice a year annual tax review. But the problem that I've seen is there's always been this drive and even going back years ago where you know do this for the client and they'll pay you more they'll be value added there'll be more work coming in because you can do this for the client well it's almost like there was a hose that of data that just got dumped and bots going everywhere and moving things around and everybody wanting to take business and then and this idea that you had to take every and this was brought up couple of times I heard this where people said, remember when you had to take everything that came through the door, maybe you were just starting out in business. That's what they taught you when you went to work for an accounting firm. We, somebody calls, we pick up the phone, we say, yeah, we'll take care of that. 
Because when it's after the fact, you can't say, yeah, I'll take care of that. If you give me these documents, I will go ahead and do this work. Give me a retainer, we'll get started. And then whether or not the client gives you the documents, it doesn't matter because they're gonna eventually give them to you either under crisis or you're gonna get them. But in this case, the deluge was just coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. And you had all these clients and you were thinking you could do this for all of them. And you can't. Mm. You might be able to do regular accounting, financial statement, analysis, uh, very quick and close somebody's books. But there are some clients out there that that's all they can afford. That's all they really kind of need with an occasional check-in. And then you've got the other clients, the other clients that are your true being the controller of the CFO. And those are smaller in number. And that's where you can spend the time that you no longer have to utilize doing all this manual stuff because of your AI and RPA. And because you have somebody maybe in the middle reviewing it for you, you now have that space to choose which clients you want to spend that time having that relationship with, that which client you want to, with all this personalized information that allows you to have a strategic relationship with that client, you get to choose which ones you want to use. So it's almost like, I think, don't look at AI as an enemy. Look at it as your friend who's going to allow you to say, okay, that part of the business runs on AI. This part of the business runs on relationship. And I get to choose which one I want to do that with. So it means you can take anybody that comes through the door if you want. But the level of service you're going to provide is going to be based on who you want to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, my goodness, the things that you're talking about. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. But I feel like it was a very similar talk track what, 10, 15 years ago when we started talking about cloud, that it's the enabler, that the technology is the enabler and it allows you to to, def- to define what you want to do and decide what you want to do. So I think it's a similar it's a similar conversation. And I think those firms that adopted and embraced cloud early, they're probably the ones that are actually seeing the opportunity that artificial intelligence actually presents for their firm, whereas the rest of the the, the industry is, is probably still a little bit behind the eight ball, a, a bit like the cloud adoption cycle. As you were saying that, I heard very similar themes to, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you and I were out on the road talking about like cloud, like talking about cloud accounting. So it goes back to chapter one of the book. It's not just the numbers about you deciding what it is you want to do and being very, and the types of clients you want to work on. And then you build the, everything else around that, the technology, the people, the clients, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know, it was, as you were saying that I'm like, Hmm, this sounds familiar. Yeah, And I heard that over and over again with people presenting saying, you've got to figure out what it is you want to do first. Yeah, of course you do. There's an article in the Harvard Business Review about AI, and it doesn't, you know, it mentions ChatGPT, but it, it goes into the idea that, you know, it's not just ChatGPT, it's not just Bard, it's not just Bing. It's the whole idea of what we can do now because of the amount of data. And I think what it comes down to when if you want to do this kind of business and both kinds of businesses are viable, but if you want to get into the value added 
relationship building with the client, you've got an abundance of information coming in and it can give you insights. But if you don't convert the insight into something that is actionable for your client, you're really not doing this type of consulting work. You are doing basically bookkeeping and accounting. And there's nothing bad about that. It can lead to a tax return. It can certainly, but I think that anyone from a sole entrepreneur to a multiple partner firm can pick off in their own head, just sitting there, four or five clients that they would want to spend that type of time with and probably already do. But now if they utilize these tools, you know, the relationship can be even better. Yes. It can be even more impactful. You know, at the end, I always said on my tech stack, here's all the apps that everybody's feeding into, but eventually you got to get down to a KPI. And remember when somebody once saying, what's KPI? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and key key indicators, right? But that's what's feeding into those reports. And well, also, and and as you were saying that as well, it's also about the image of the data traffic cop also came to mind as well, mm-hmm. because yes, there's artificial intelligence that can help you do this predictive and generative types of services and help provide insights into your clients. This week, I wasn't at Scaling New Heights, but I was at an open banking discussion, and that's trying to promote the idea of a standardized banking link so that would standardize bank feeds and standardize that experience wow, wouldn't, that but be it, something? <laughs> wouldn't that be something but also and this is just in australia where there's like seven banks and then what sort of came to mind as well was this idea of the traffic cop from a data perspective because you have to maintain those connections and make sure the data is flowing in into the system in real time so again yes machine learning and artificial intelligence is great but if you don't have the fundamental setup that, that we've sort of been talking about for a long time then it falls on its head because because yeah, you can think of those four to five clients that you would love to spend some more time with. But actually, if you don't get those basics right, if you don't get the bookkeeping right, the data that you're discussing, you, you can't rely on that. So it's one of those well, and, ones. And, that and I, it's, a, it's a massive amount of data yes, coming yeah. in. And it's coming in from multiple ways. And, you know, I'm going to maybe this is going to sound pejorative, but it's kind of like getting waterboarded, you know, <laughs> Oh, when you were in college, you know, they stunk the hose down and sat at the keg and you were like guzzling beer. <laughs> but, you know, because it's just coming at you. And you know, again, there was a lot of, well, there's no time. Everybody's exhausted. There's been no end to the tax season. And it's kind of like, you know, it. I think it has to start from allowing your team to feel comfortable about AI and letting them know that this isn't going to kill your job. Some jobs are going to go away, but if you're smart and you're creative, you just won't because that's the part that the bots can't do. And it does go back to the idea of what got you here won't get you there. You can't sort of continue the same old tax intensive heavy. You have to redefine your business model because the idea of client accounting and advisory services is year round, not just outside of tax season and not just in sort of quiet time. And so I think well, that's what I'm the saying really is I think tax thing. season does, isn't even breaking anymore. So if yes, there's somebody yeah, yeah. who's even used to doing it in the off season only, that off season hasn't really happened in a lot of places. Although there was an, a certain amount of excitement and understanding and a refocus, I'm sure. <laughs> of topics 
Because everybody asks the question, well, how does this relate to chat GPT? Well, it's, how does this relate to deductive to productive to generative processes? How does it relate overall to AI? And there were quite a few apps showing their AI, lifting their skirts and showing what it was like and used uh, well in every case, this is going to cut down time. You know, sometimes people don't understand how much time it takes to do certain things to prep. Like I got called by a client who said, you know, how come it took him so long to do this job? And I looked because I make my team break out when they're doing administrative parts of their job as opposed to the actual task of completing the accounting. And in this case, there were six different locations to log in and get a year's worth of bank statements and credit card statements to clean up and reconcile this file. It was 30 minutes alone just for us to go out grab those statements. And you know how they all come down with the same, some of them, not all of them, but some banks that come down with the same name, it just says e-statement mm-hmm. and they'll override each other and stuff. So we had to log in, then you have to go through the MFA process and then you have to go find the documents and where, that, where the statements are on that bank account because you obviously, nobody else has logged in for a year to get them. <laughs> so yeah. you probably might not know where they're at. <laughs> and you go and get the statements and then you have to bring them down. You have to organize them. Okay, get them all organized. So that was 30 minutes. And then it was 83 minutes to reconcile all the accounts. So 30 minutes just to go and collect the data. And get the stuff. And get the stuff to get the job started. What if AI just got rid of that? AI got rid of most of the allocations because once we imported a couple and started allocating using deduction and prediction, we were able to just go ahead and match, 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 or add, 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 right? So that sped up the allocation, certainly AI. And the reconciliation, uh, there was a utilization of artificial intelligence or predictiveness in the way it's reconciled within the books using the technology. The only, the thing that took a lot of time, a lot of wasted time was the part that the robots could do, which is go out and collect the data Mm. in the first place. You know, that's not anybody losing their job. That's somebody being a traffic cop. And once they get all the cars into the right intersection, then going, okay, everybody stop moving, you know, and then traffic. Well, and maintaining that though, maintaining that. So maintaining that connection, because that's often the challenge as well of, of maintaining those connections, refreshing, whatever it is, so that the traffic does flow freely. But yeah. Again, on those clients that you find you want to have this deeper relationship with this abundance of insights and information is something that allows you to have a personalized relationship with that client and that client's financial data. Those clients, because you are responding to them, I find, have no problem being there to make sure that you have the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either getting it for you by giving you a secondary admin login or accounting login or being the person who responds when you send out a notice that the connection broke. And I told somebody, I said, you know, why don't you just go to one place where you can have them get statements in the transactions and have one place for them to fix everything instead of making them go 
got to go over to zero and connect this or QuickBooks online and connect this. And then I got to go over here to connect that. Why don't you just have one place where they can connect and pull everything that they need? That would be sweet. Now, we did do that a little bit with uh, File This, and I think Ledger Sync's doing it. That's a hard sell. It's a hard yeah. sell because accountants go, oh, if it breaks, what happens? I have to call my client. Yeah, if it breaks in QuickBooks, you have to call your client. If it breaks in zero, you have to call your client. Oh my God, you have to call your client. That's your real problem. But I think that there is a thing to say that AI can take care of that. And if you do have, or ChatGPT rather, can take care of that to say, oh, connection broken, text on WhatsApp or, or text message. Well, hey, but, Penny, but they do. I mean, you don't have to go to ChatGPT. Lysio has it. LedgerSync has it. I mean, there are apps out there that have that AI written into them. And yeah, maybe it does take some communication, but it's certainly for those clients that don't respond, you're not going to be providing that kind of service anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But but also, and you don't have to because well they're like, dicks and they're not responding. So you don't <laughs> but also, to. the other thing is like, oh, I have to call my client. I'm like, no, you don't. Your client's busy running their business anyway. But you send them a text message. You send their administrator a text message to say, hey, notice the connection down or whatever the app it's got built in. You don't have to pick up the phone and call your client to say that the bank feed went down. Like there's so much other technology out no, there you, that you does that for have, you. When you onboarded them, you had to introduce them that this is the way we're going to roll. And to provide the level of insights and to do all this yeah. type of stuff, we need the technology really working. Actually, you do bring up a good point is you can't put square pegs in round holes. And, and right. by that, I mean clients. So not all of your clients will sign up for this. And that's yeah. okay. Focus you don't on want focus. Them all. You, you, otherwise, you're being waterboarded. <laughs> <laughs> focus on the five that really want this, and and importantly, are prepared to pay for it, and it increase the value. And I do very much mean financial value of that relationship for those five clients, and and see how many of the deadbeats that you can get rid of, or or you don't need to service. And and I think what you'll find is quite quickly the revenue that comes from. These five clients, six clients, seven clients will very quickly make up for any lost clients that, that we've got to move on because we do need to free up space for us to focus on these types of services. I, I think that's the thing is it's sort of chicken and egg is I want this advisory service and the benefits of it, the relationship, the revenue, et cetera, et cetera. But you do actually have to do a fair bit of hard work to get it set up. You've got to create space so that you can do work out the technology and work out your engagements and pricing and all that type of stuff. So it does mean you have to forego something in the short term, but know that very quickly that shortfall in revenue or moving some clients on, that will very quickly be filled with either new clients or, or additional services into the into that client base that that wants them and is prepared to pay for them. I, uh, I saw a lot of people who get that. And every year I go back to these conferences, more and more and more are getting that, getting it. Yeah. Um, they're understanding that, you know, this client's just not going to do this. So just let that client slide along. We'll do it. We'll get to it when we get to it. We no longer have to make it a priority. And when the stuff comes in, we'll deal with it. But these other clients, you need to pick and choose and you need to have ones that are going to work with you. This is a very uh, team building thing. It's very cooperative building. And one of the things in, in the book when I wrote it is like, how do your team is the client? 
don't see them as separate from the team. Make them inclusive in it. And also part of the team are your partners. And, and I don't mean sort of the business partners per se, but they are your partners that help get this work done. So you may not want to do a part of the process, but you've got to work with a partner to get it done. And so whether that's working with Moneypenny, for example, to get that bookkeeping and that work done, whether it's working with, and I sort of go back to your client up in Chicago or Illinois Penny, that she doesn't do the tax or the bookkeeping. She does the advisory, but she, but her team is this a group of separate companies. Yeah. 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 Separate companies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can build the team any way you want, but the client is also part of the team. It's just not a part that we interact with yeah. in, th- in that regard. But because of the type of work we're doing there, we don't have to interact, just she and the tax preparer do. But Sorry. knowing what you want, knowing where yes, you yeah. want to go. And you know what? <laughs> and also what I see is a group of people who are deciding there's more to life than just sitting behind a desk and doing this. Yep. Yeah. So coming out of scaling new heights, and you're sort of talking about this idea of, of chat GPT is one part of AI, or one product or one subset or whatever you want to of AI. Do you think the people, the attendees at scaling new heights understood that by the end of it? Or do you think they still see AI and chat GPT as, as one and the same? What What was your sort of takeaway there? I think that they're getting the difference. I think that I know for a fact I did not have one conversation where it did not come up. Yeah. And I did not see one presentation where people just didn't write out the the get-go say, this is a great topic. How is it going to relate to AI? Is AI going to take away my job? Is AI going to, can we trust it? You know, and there (laughs) was room given for the ethical part of it, which was very intelligent to very, I think, very transparent and open to admit that, you know, there are some things you do have to pay attention to and acknowledging that as humans, I don't think we know quite where all of this is going to go. But if I just not think about chat, I mean, I can use chat, obviously, almost everybody's presentation, they all say, yeah, and I use chat GPT. (laughs) Almost everybody across the board said that. But if you could say, okay, I can get this with chat, but think about the AI that's in the apps you're already dealing with and think about the things that they're releasing with it, like Client Hub is releasing and that financial sense is releasing and that Canopy is releasing and that Bookie is releasing with, when it comes at the transaction level and communicating with your client, what Lysio is doing with two-way uh, texting. There's... AI that's being utilized in different ways in different apps that are unique to this industry. So when somebody talks about ChatGPT, it's kind of very global. What you saw and what you will see at the rest of these conferences throughout the year, and BKX is no different, is that you're looking at a targeted AI application within something that you're probably already using that's going to help you define which of those clients you're willing to take the deluge on because you know they're going to cooperate with you and it's going to make you more money. And which of the other clients, the deluge can be put off on the back burner and they can be still maintained as old school, even though you're using cloud apps after the fact right up. I mean, I think that's sort of interesting and I think the way that you classified sort of AI was a deductive, predictive, and generative. Is yeah. that? And I was 
thinking about the sort of the exhibitor hall and the sponsor hall and that type of stuff. And as you rattled off some names there of folks that are incorporating the chat GPT element into what they do. But I, you know, just even I go back to my receipt bank days and, and I think receipt banks, artificial intelligence, when I left in 2020, I think it was at the predictive phase. Yeah. So it was looking at transactions and it was predicting based on all of the data that we have, it was predicting how to classify, how to code things, how to classify things, how to split things. And so that was very much the predictive side of it. So maybe that that's sort of a way to think about the AI in your tech stack. What is it doing? Is it deducting, not the right word, is it deducing, is it predicting, or is it generating? And probably where are the different apps sitting on that spectrum? Because they're all doing a slightly different thing because you're asking, I mean, in financial sense, I'm asking it to uh, bullet point an email from a client. In Canopy, I'm asking it to write an email to a client. But in Bookie, I'm asking it to, using prediction, tell me what you believe that this transaction is for. And when, if you get anything l- less than 90%, send it to the client and ask them what Confirm. it's about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so because at 90%, I'll take it. Or you decide, <laughs> you know, you decide what you want. You get to tell the bot what it is you want. And so it's not just chat GPT and it's, finding the apps in this industry that already are in the cloud and they are scrambling quickly and frankly, surprisingly fast in coming up with taking one more click. It's just going back to like that comment I did at Expotax when they said, Penny, it's 11 clicks to outsource a tax return. I said, I do a tax return once a year. 11 clicks ain't much. (laughs) <laughs> when I'm doing bookkeeping, I'm doing it all goddamn day long. Yep. <laughs> 11 clicks is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot so, of clicks. So every time I can take a click and replace it with a bot, I increase my speed without losing accuracy and I can free up some time. Yep. And as a human being, that's kind of a nice place to be. And I think that nice place to be is probably a good place to yeah, and close I do, out today's like, episode. I know. And and next time we get together, I sent you an email a couple of weeks ago about a question that had come up through LinkedIn. And then similarly, at the same time, I got an email from a client and it's about the anticipatory set, which goes back to what is it that you want? Yep. Well, and and, and what are you that. anticipating to happen? And, yes. and yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Let's dig into that on the next episode, Penny. And I think folks, a couple of uh, sort of comments there and, and plugs, actually, the anticipatory sets, one of the key parts of the book. It's not just the numbers that the Penny wrote. It's available on cpatrendlines.com. So download that. Um, I think you can purchase that book. You can download the ebook online as well. But Penny, I think delighted to hear that Scaling New Heights was a success and it sounds like, I think certainly last year, this year, it sounds like it's really building momentum again as one yes. of the premier conferences for accountants and bookkeepers who are, at, I think, at the forefront of, of this sort of more intentional, building a more intentional accounting and bookkeeping business. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They did a great job last year. This first one out of the gate after COVID. And this one, well, after what Scott and Don did on the stage, you know. You could have dropped the mic then and just been, that was cool. <laughs> I hope they get I hope they get invited back to be lots of keynotes at a lot of different accounting. 
I think you'll be seeing their names quite regularly throughout the event calendar. Penny, if anyone needs to to find you, they can either find you on LinkedIn. They can also go to moneypennyllc.com. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So you can find myself on LinkedIn. If you do have any questions for us, feel free to send them over. Follow us, connect with us on LinkedIn. would love to hear that you're enjoying the podcast. And if there's any questions that you do have for us or anything going on in your firm that you'd like us to talk about, either on the podcast or in a one-to-one environment, don't hesitate to reach out. So that's another episode of Strategy and the Virtual Controller in the Can. Penny, thank you very much. Thank you, Damien. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.